Let's just prepare our hearts to receive the word this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray this morning that it changes us, transforms us. Lord, as we have been in your in your presence through worship and through praise. Lord, I pray that, that you would mold our hearts. Lord, that our hearts would be good soil. That the seed, the word of God would take deep root, lasting root and bearing lasting fruit. I pray, Father, that, that even the words of this message, Lord, would be long-lasting and bearing fruit for years and years to come until your return. And we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, we've been in a, in a series about serving or leading. If you hear those words, I'm using them interchangeably. And I know it sounds very different to lead, sounds very different to serve because the picture in our mind of lead many times is the person out front telling everybody what to do. But that's not God's definition. <laughs> when we talk about leadership, yes, there is an element of, of leading from the front because God wants us to be an example. He wants us to show the way of leadership, show the way of how it's to be done. But it is to be uh, done from a servant's heart. He said those that want to be first have to be last. And those that, that are going to follow me have to serve and have to follow my example. And so that's what we're called to do. We're called to serve one another. And as we do that, then he promotes and he honors us. And so this morning, I'm going to go through why. Why do we serve? Why, why lead? Why should I become part of the vision, part of the 40 lead in the 15 life groups, the 40 lead in the 15 life groups. And of course, 40, you might think 40, 40 leaders in the church. Yes, because this church is going to grow and we need people on board. And when we talk about leading and we talk about serving, there are so many areas that, that we have opportunity to, to serve or to lead in. It's not just speaking and pulpit. I think sometimes people think, well, I can't do that. It's okay, because there are so many other areas that we can plug you in, because there's a lot that happens on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, through the week, uh, to make things work and operate in the kingdom of God. It's not just one area. And I, I think sometimes it's so easy after we become Christians, and we, we come in, and at first we're so excited, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, but then after a little while we come in and go, Oh, you know, they're not doing this right, and they're not doing that right, and, and there's this problem and that problem, and, and how come they don't have, you know, more, more people doing this, and how come there, there's a gap there? Because you're not there. <laughs> because you're not there. And many times whenever we look and we see those gaps, it's, it's something that you're noticing. Why? Because you have the eyes to see that area and what's wrong or what's needing field. So whenever we see it from that perspective, we're like, oh, I'm missing. I'm missing from the picture. <laughs> All right, let's get into this this morning. Why am I needing to lead or to serve. Are you guys happy this morning? Jesus has saved you. <laughs> we are bought by the blood of the lamb. He has washed us and cleansed us. Praise the Lord. Um, New Year's, it was after New Year's Eve, but it was uh, some, of our, some of our leaders went up and went to a New Year's Eve service up in uh, Pennsylvania to another ministry. 
and I heard from three different people. It was interesting. I heard from three different people at three different times. It wasn't like they were all sitting there telling me all at once. Three different people at three different times told me uh, the day after, on New Year's Day, um, they had went to brunch at IHOP, and there was this server that they had, and this particular server, like, made their day. It, it like made their visit and they all told me about this server and they said he was so funny and he took all of our orders and there was like I don't know 10 12 of us and he took all of our orders and didn't write any of it down and and memorized all of them and he was just lighthearted, had a great sense of humor and he just took so, such good care of us and it was like he made the difference that day for them because they all came back and told me about it. And I bet you that they're not necessarily, if they were in that area again, they're not going and saying, let's go eat at IHOP because IHOP's so great, but because that server was so great. And they were all like, he doesn't belong there. He, he belongs in a better position, a greater restaurant. And, and that's how it is with us. You know, when people come through our doors, why do they return? Because, like Pastor Brad said last week, it's, it's oftentimes it's not because of the word. It's because of how they were treated. What did they experience when they came through the doors? And it starts from the parking lot. It starts from the things that they experience from the moment that they walk onto the property and what are they experiencing? What are they seeing? And so this is why this, the, the ministry of helps is so important. Great customer service causes return visits, and I'm sure that's the case for you guys. Great customer service at, at a place of business or a, a restaurant or whatever it may be causes return visits. It's not always because of the, the product, but many times it's because of the, the great customer service. I'm going to be well taken care of there. So I'm going to go through some reasons this morning of why. Why do, I, why do I lead? Why do I serve? This is all going to be totally biblical out of the word of God because this isn't based upon, uh, you know, our own thoughts. Like, well, I don't feel like I'm equipped. I don't feel like I have the resources. I don't feel like I have the time. I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like it. It's not going to be based on persuading you on feelings, it's totally from the word of God. Why serve? So let's get started this morning in Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, or some versions say masterpiece, but his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God thought about this way before you were ever born. He created you for good works. You were not saved just to exist. You were saved for good works. That's what verse 8 says. You've been saved 
through faith, by faith. And it's not because of our works. It's because God had a plan for you. Because he has good works prepared in advance for you to do. So that's why I said whenever there's something missing, it's because we're not filling it. Because we were created for good works. In fact, if you think about it, if it was only for salvation's sake that you were saved then wouldn't it be better for God to just, like, bring us out of here as soon as we receive Jesus Christ? Oh, they received Jesus Christ. Boom. Zap them to heaven before they backslide. Zap them to heaven before they make any bad decisions. Because, honestly, when you think about it, there's a lot of people that are saved, but then they backslide. But God's plan was not to just zap them to heaven as soon as they get saved. It's because you've got a work to do. Every person is called to serve because there's a purpose and a plan in his kingdom for you. It's not because just for salvation's sake. It's because there's a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. You are created and saved, number one, for service, for service. You are created and saved for service. And I want to read a second, a second uh, passage with that in 2 Timothy, verse, chapter 1, verse 9. It says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. And I I think that's so powerful. According to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. See, many times we're running around trying to find, you know, our our purpose or our calling or trying to figure out what's going to make us happy and we're missing it. Because it's not based upon our works. We're, we're going around doing a bunch of works, but we're not finding our purpose in him. And he says that he has called you with a holy calling. He has called you for his purpose, not for our purpose. And that's where we miss it. Because we're trying to find our own purpose in life when it's through him and his purpose. And we've got to meet with our creator. He's the one that created us. He's the one that made us. He knit together every part of us in our mother's womb. He knows what our purpose is. So it makes a little bit of sense for us to go back to our creator, the one that made us, right, to find out what we were created for. And so it's for us to find the purpose that he has given to us. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, when I talk about um, many people trying to do, you know, the whole thing. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been on a team before where it's like uh, there's very few on the team, but you're trying to do a, a big project, and it's like the load gets heavy because those three people are doing all the work, and then that day, you know, 50 show up, and the three people are trying to carry everything for the 50 or, or something. And I remember our very first outreach, and we had done um, in, in this place, the, the very first one in Fairmont, and, and we hadn't even started the church yet. We were, we were doing an outreach trying to get into the community to meet some people and get ready to launch. And so we had decided, you know what, it's, it's almost uh, Halloween. It's the, towards the end of October, and we're going to do a, a pre-trick-or-treat party for uh, the trick-or-treaters. And so we were 
right out here in the parking lot, and I think there was six of us, and of course, maybe seven. Melanie was one of them. It was our family of five, <laughs> and then I'm not sure if High Lama had, had moved here. And so there was like seven of us, and, and, and three of them were, were, were below 18. And so, you know, you, you think about <coughs> how much... Uh, how much you're trying to, to carry and do whenever you've got a parking lot of 50 or 60 people and a bunch of kids and some parents and they're all just standing there, you know, looking at you and going, okay, we're here, now what? And, and there's registration and there's, you know, somebody to run music and then they're running over here trying to get games ready and get all the stuff ready and, and somebody's trying to get all the people registered and, and then we're trying to meet people because we haven't met any of them before and then we're trying to do salvation call and, and it's all these things going on on the back of a few people and and then somebody fell in the parking lot and we were like and we didn't even know it at first that took Brad Pastor Brad completely out of the scene we're like where'd Pastor Brad go <laughs> we found out later someone had fallen and so he had to go take care of that and make sure you know that she was okay and and all of those things and so then we're down to you know six <laughs> and three children <laughs> and so it was one of those things where it was like Afterwards, like, oh, never again. <laughs> but it was because of, of the lack of hands being able to be there to see it through. And so you, many times you think, oh, they got it. Uh, you know, it's not a big deal if I'm, if I'm there, if I'm not there, if I step in, if I don't step in. Every person is important. Every person is important. Of course, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ being in operation, Right? Every person is a member of the body of Christ. And I was, yesterday I was, um, I was studying and, and it was past lunchtime and I was like, I'm going to grab something to eat real quick. I go, I go into the, the kitchen and I had uh, poured out some dressing. I accidentally made a mess on the counter and then I got it on my hand. And so I I'm, I'm have something in my hand and then I'm turning the faucet on trying to like wash it off of my hand with only, only one hand because I've got something in my other hand, and I realized this isn't working as well. Think about it. In, in fact, most of the time we don't even think about it. We just turn the faucet on and what do we do? Both hands, right? We're s one scrubbing the other. And I thought as I was doing that, I'm like, man, that other hand is really important to cause you know, some, some friction there to get the, that dressing off of my hand because it's just kind of sticking there and it's not getting clean. And I thought, every part of the body is so important. I needed that other hand to get that off. So I had to put that down and, and use my other hand. But that's why it's so important that everybody is in place. Everybody's doing the, the job or the thing that, that they're called to do at that time. And does it mean that they're going to do that forever? No, it just means that there is a place right now that needs field. And then you train someone else to do that later. If, if, if it's something that you want to move on with and you want to find something else to do. It, it's not a lock-in forever. This is what I'm going to do until I die. But it's you're filling the gap in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. In fact, it's interesting because I think this is the, the perception that many people have. Well, that's, that's for the people of ministry. That's for the five-fold ministry. Turn there for a minute. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Because I want to show something to you. Because this gets really interesting. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. 
It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Did you know that the fivefold ministry, the pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists, they're not there to do all the ministry? What does it say they're there to do? Equip. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Digest that. They're there to administrate the saints. They're there to administrate. They're, ne- they're not there to do all the work of ministry. They're there to administrate the equipping of the saints so that the saints can do the work of ministry. Do you know what ministry means? Do you know what it means to minister? It means to serve. Oftentimes we think of this idea of ministry. Well, well I'm called to ministry. Are you really? Because <laughs> when you look it up and you see what ministry means, it means to kick up dust. It's because that person is moving and doing something and working to the Lord. To minister means to serve to the point that you are moving and kicking up dust because you're going around trying to, to do this and you're doing that and you're making sure that everything is getting fulfilled. To minister, to wait on and to serve. Have you ever been to a, a fancy restaurant, one of those, not Burger King, a fancy one, where, where they're, uh, they're standing, like they'll do all of the serving and once you're served and everything's on your table, then they kind of take a place against the wall. And it might look lazy, but that's not what they're doing. They're standing there constantly observing and watching because they're waiting to see, did you drop your napkin? I'll get that. Do you need more water? Because I'm not going to wait until it's all the way when you're going <laughs> trying to slurp every, you know, the ice cubes out of it. When it gets down to a certain point, they come over and, and they fill it up. Why? Because they're on it many times before you even realize you need it. That is what ministry is. That is the heart of a servant. And that's what Jesus has called us to do. To minister means to serve. They're they're standing there watching. They're waiting. They're ready to wait upon the Lord. And the Lord is people. It's not that the Lord is people, but the Lord, he says, when you wait upon the people, when you, when you give me bread, when you, when you wash my feet, when you bring me clothes, you're waiting upon me. People said, when do we, when do we wait upon you, Lord? When do we serve you? When do we minister to you? When do we give you a cold glass of water or something to eat? When did we clothe you? When you took care of the ones that were in prison, the orphans, the widows, the ones that needed me, the ones that needed some that. And many times people say, oh, no, I, God, I'll serve you. But I'm not doing that. And we get it mixed up. Because in order to touch the Lord's heart, it's always going to be about impacting people. Hallelujah. So number one, I am created and saved for service. I am created and saved for service. Number two. Let's go, let's flip over to uh, 1 Peter. 
1 Peter 4. And while we're on that last one, I can tell, let's, we're, we're just going to go ahead and extend this into tonight, okay? This, because I'm not going to get through all of them tonight. So come tonight <coughs> if you want to get the whole message, which you do. Say, I do. I, do. I, want, it. I want it. That's right. Okay. While we're on the subject of, a, of, of the servant, you know that Paul and Peter and uh, James and Jude, they all, the people that wrote the books of the Bible, they all referred to themselves as a bondservant. A bondservant. And a bondservant was a servant that, that was, would serve for a term of seven years. They would serve for a specific term of time. And then after that, they were free to go because the master had bought them bought them as a slave, bought them as a servant, and they were, and most of the time it was because maybe they were in debt, they couldn't pay their debt, so maybe they were imprisoned or whatever, and so the master would go, they would buy that servant to, to work for them. That person was now in the service of their master. But at the end of those seven years, when they were allowed to, to go, when they were allowed to, to go, have their freedom, and a bond servant was different than just a regular servant. A bond servant returned to his master, and he said, I don't want to leave you and your family. You've been good to me, and I want to stay in the canopy of your home. I want to stay in the covering of your home. I want to be like your family. And so that master, because it was a volunteer thing, it was no longer an enslaved thing or I bought you. It was a volunteer thing. Different attitude, different mentality. And it's so precious. It's so precious. Out of, out of my heart, I want to be here and I want to serve you. And so that bond servant would go in and the master would put him up against the door frame of the house and, and take a nail and all and pierce his ear. He was marked for that purpose. And you could see there was a visible mark on that person's life that they were a bond servant, not just a servant. It's an amazing thing. They, I mean, they bled. They gave their blood. They gave of themselves to have that mark on them that I am not my own. I, have, I was bought with a price and I served, but I am voluntarily giving my heart and my life back to my master. Yes. And so whenever we see that, Paul, he says, I'm a bond servant of Christ. Jude, Jude and James were brothers of Jesus. But they didn't say, yeah, <laughs> you know, James, I'm the brother of Christ. He said, I'm, the, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. I willingly, even though he was my brother here on earth, I'm willingly giving my life back to him to serve him. A bond servant. 1 Peter 4, 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So number two, you have special abilities and gifts. You have special abilities and gifts. Sometimes people think, well, I don't really have anything special to offer. Yes, you do. You have things in your life, and many times gifts are overlooked because you look at it as not a big deal. But other people can look at your life and say, you're really good, gifted at this. They see it, 
because it stands out to them because it's not something that they necessarily possess. And many times these talents and giftings that we have, we just we hold them and we don't use them because we don't think that they're anything that great. And then what happens is, is we become selfish of our gifts, not always because we're trying to, but because we don't think they're anything that great. So then we hold them and we never offer them. We never give them. We never bless someone else with them. And we all have time. When, you know, some of you say, I don't have time. We all choose to uh, have time to serve the Lord if we choose to. And that is a gift. When you think of the man uh, with the, the talents, um, the three men that God gave the talents to, he gave, he gave uh, one man one talent, another man two talents, another man five talents, all according to their ability. And he said, produce for me. Produce. And when he returned to see what they had produced, did they multiply it? What did they do with it? Were they good stewards of it? And he looked, and, and the five said, yes, I got five more. Well done, well done. And he gave, he gave him his reward. The two, same thing, multiplied it, gave him two more. And then the one said, no, I, I went and hid it. I went and hid it because I was afraid. And I was afraid when you, ret when you returned that maybe I would have lost the one. Or maybe, you know, you're a hard master, and... and you know, I was, I was afraid to uh, invest it into anything. And that was the one that God was displeased with. And he's talking about his servants. He's not talking about the wicked outside of his kingdom. He's talking about his servants. Every person has gifts and abilities to be able to offer in the kingdom of God. And when you look at that verse... To each one, each one, that means you're not excluded. You are included in the each one. Has received a gift to what? To minister to one another. To minister, to serve one another. That means your gift is there not to serve you, but to serve one another. We are to serve one another with our gifts, not ourselves. As what? As good stewards. As good stewards, that means that there's also, if he says good stewards, then there's the opposite, which is a poor steward. A steward that's not taking care, like the, the, the one steward that had the one and he went and buried it out of what? Fear. I was afraid. I was afraid. Many people are afraid to step in. Well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of commitment. I'm afraid I'm not going to be enough. I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I'm going to fail. I'm afraid all of these things. I'm afraid this. I'm afraid that. Those are our feelings of fear. But it was the very reason Jesus said, he, he said, you could have at least invested it with the bank and got interest on it. But it was fear that drove him to bury it, and no one got the benefit of it. A good steward, a good steward, be a good steward of what has been given to you. And it says, of the manifold grace of God. The manifold, the many layers of the grace of God. Many times people are looking for, oh, I want more grace, which is the empowerment to do what, what we can't do in and of ourselves. It's God's grace upon us to do what we can't do. I want more grace. I want, I want to be able to operate here. Do you know that you're not going to receive more grace until you operate with the grace that's already been given to you? 
So the grace that's been given to you, use it to serve others. Use it to serve others. Our serving is the basis of our commitment to God. Number three. I'm going to pull a scripture from 1 Corinthians 12.24. Number three. My church needs me. My church needs me. Not 1224, 1214. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. What he's saying here is if we're all noses, then we're going to be lacking some major issues. <laughs> you know, if we were going, I don't know why my nose is not doing the dishes. I don't know why my nose is not going out and getting the mail and mowing the lawn. I don't know why my nose is not. If we were all noses, there would be some major dysfunction. And he says, and, and if you say that, well, I'm not, I'm the ear and I'm not the eye, therefore I'm not part of the body. That's crazy. Which body part, if I said today, you have to cut off a body part, are you going to be willing to, to cut one off? I think they're all pretty handy, right? You, there's not one you're going to say, um, yeah, I can do without my pinky. You know, there was a, a, a professional uh, baseball player that he, he injured his, his pinky toe. And, you know, that sounds crazy, but he injured, he injured his pinky, pinky toe, and he, it didn't grow back right. It didn't, it didn't uh, mend or heal right. And as a result, he had to give up a million-plus-dollar contract because his pinky toe didn't heal back right, and it was throwing him off, and, and he couldn't perform the way he used to perform, all because of that little toe that, they, you know, we don't think too much of. But it cost him his career. It was that important to his functioning. Every part of the body is important. My church body needs me. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times that people say, well, we want revival. We want revival in our church. Do you know that revival always brings more people? Revival always draws people in. What happens if there's, oh, it'll just, it'll just all, you know, work out. What happens if revival hits and then all of a sudden there's 40 kids? Who's going to watch those 40 kids? What happens if there's 100 cars? What happens if 
we don't have the people in place to, to greet them, to follow up on them. And we don't have people making phone calls through the week and checking in on, on the ones that have come and visited and they've never visited before. And then all of a sudden, well, yeah, I went there, but nobody, nobody called me. Nobody really acted like they cared. They were all acting, they were all just all running around like crazy because, uh, you know, I don't know, they just acted like they had the, all this stuff going on because there wasn't enough hands on deck. We all say, we, I want revival, but revival means more workers. Revival means there's more, more, to, more structure that has to happen, more framework in the, in the structure of things. There has to be the body to hold it. So if you can imagine uh, you living without your skeletal system, <laughs> you would be nothing but like just a blob of flesh laying there in the seat right now. <laughs> there would be like no, no form to you. And that's what happens if we don't have the framework in place, don't have the structure. It just looks like this blob of something, and you can't make out what it's supposed to be. In fact, we are, you know, we've discussed uh, in the future the possibility until we get uh, another property, we've discussed, you know, what do we need to do as things continue to build and continue to, to uh, grow? What do, we, what do we do with the, you know, the number of people coming in? Because when people come in, it's not like every person, if they don't know you, they're not going to want to sit like right on your lap. You see what I'm saying? They're not going to want to sit right beside the person they don't know. So many times people will, will not come back if they feel like they don't have a place to sit with their whole family. And so we've talked, you know, do we need to go to a second service when that, when that point hits? Well, then what? Do we have the body in place to go to a second service? Do we have workers for both services? Do you see what I'm saying? Things can be held back. People say, oh, I want, I want the feeling of this. I want the experience of this. But then it takes the work. It takes the people in place. We can all read uh, great, great things and, and say, oh, you know, I read a story about, about you know, being a millionaire, but does that make you a millionaire? I read this story about being healthy. Does that make me healthy if I read a book about health? <laughs> it doesn't necessarily make me like a, a health icon, right? And many times we can, we can read and say, yes, you know, that's what, this is what I want. We're, we're the body of Christ, hallelujah. Yes, we're the body, but we've got to be able to feel the body parts. We have to step in. Uh, Beverly did a, a thing the other evening. Uh, Christine had hosted a, a something for all the children's workers and, and had them over for dinner and games and things like that. And Beverly brought uh, this little game to everybody and said, okay, wh if you were part of the body, what part would you be and why? If you were part of the, the physics, so we got to hear, you know, everybody was uh, going around telling what part of the body. Mejia was like, I'm the hips, and I have, I have you know, Kalai as my right leg, and Lavaku as my left leg, and I make them work for me. <laughs> but it was just a fun little game that, that made everybody think, if I'm part of the body, if I'm a body part, what would I be and why? And today, you know, we asked the same thing. If I'm part of the body, then what part am I? What part am I? Because serving 
is part of our discipleship, and it's part of, of exercising our discipleship. Just like I said, sometimes we can read something and we can know it, but we're not exercising it. And sometimes we can cap out, you know, hit a hit kind of a glass ceiling because we've got a lot of knowledge, but we're not exercising our our uh, faith. We're not walking in discipleship. We're not walking I- these things out in our life. We're only reading about it. There were many, many things. As we entered into ministry, I began to understand the writings of Paul greater and greater as I began to walk out ministry. Because as I read it, I understood where he was coming from. And there, there are some things, there are some passages that are actually taking, taken out of context because people don't understand. They're, they're coming at it from a, a mindset of, of just understanding in their head. But they're, they haven't applied the servitude of the heart yet, so they're missing the concept of what he was saying. They don't understand that, that particular passage or that scripture because they haven't stood in the place of a servant and understood what he was meaning in that particular passage. And as we, we begin to walk out ministry, I begin to understand, I'm like, man, I understand like the, the burden or the heart that Paul was having there and what he was trying to get across to the church. The fact that, that he would plan a church because he was an apostle and set someone over it and then leave and then plant another church, and then he would write a letter back to them. I understood that more because there were times when, you know, we would bring our kids back to visit grandparents, and, and there would be a time that we were gone, and, and we would be keeping in contact with our leaders there in Hana and making sure what's going on. And You know, we would have the phone calls at 3 in the morning, you know. Do we go raise this person from the dead? <laughs> you know, and there were there were things that, that would happen, and we would, we would be providing answers. It's just we didn't have to write letters anymore, praise the Lord. <laughs> Number four. Number four, I am commanded to serve. I am commanded to serve. Let's turn to Matthew 20. Matthew 20. It's interesting because even if you're looking (laughs) through this passage, you have the sons of Zebedee coming up and and their mom coming up and, and they're asking, she's saying, Lord, talking to Jesus. I want my two sons to sit on both sides of you, one on one, one hand and the other on the other hand in your kingdom and, and to, uh, you know, hold these positions of greatness and power in your kingdom. And, and he asks them a question. He says, will you, will you be able to drink the cup that I drink? What he's saying is, are, are you going to be able, where, are you willing to take on what I'm taking on? Will you serve? Will you, will you lay your life down? Because those positions, first of all, are not for me to give. They're, they're for my father to give. But 
He said, they're for positions of servitude, not because someone uh, was a great preacher, not because someone was, could orate so well and be able to speak so well, and not because someone had this great healing ministry, but can they drink the cup that I'm about ready to drink? That means will they, will they go through the suffering. See, people want, want position. They want fame. They want the glory. They want the honor. But that only comes through serving. It only comes through serving. All right, back down to the, the, where, I, where I originally said. Verse 26, 26, it says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And he says, and if you're going to follow me, you have to do the same thing. He says, if you're going, in fact, if you want to be great, then you got to serve. If you, if you really, truly want the things that you're seeing happen, then you've got to serve. You've got to serve. We have to have an attitude of, of a servant's heart. And, well, let me hold that thought for a second. Let me read another passage out of First Peter real quick. First uh, Peter Four, one and two. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. What did he do? He suffered. And he says, arm yourself with the same mind. Arm, what is that? Arm yourself? Are we going into battle? Yeah. Because serving is not about what we feel. Serving is a mindset. Serving is a, is a heart that says, I will do it no matter what. I will do it even if I got my toes stepped on. I will do it even if my flesh doesn't feel like it. I will do it even if someone corrects me. I will do it even, even if I have to get up earlier. Even if I have to, to show up. And, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't planning on going that morning, but you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to do it because my word matters. I will do it because I'm going to arm myself with the same mindset. The same mindset. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That means when we kill the flesh, then, then, then we're, we've shoved sin off. We, we are victorious over sin whenever we shove the flesh aside. It says then that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the will of God. This is God's will. That we would have the same mind as Christ. That we would serve and have the same mind, the same heart, the same attitude. And it's, it's funny. I was listening to another uh, pastor, and he was talking about serving. And he was like, you know, it's funny because there are times when because they have a, a larger church and they have different entrances into their into their church building and and he said there'd be times I would go up and I'd say I want to move you over to to this other door uh, this Sunday and they would be like yeah but there's not as many people that go through that door and he's kind of like I didn't know there were squatters rights to the doors <laughs> you know and he's like 
are you going to do it because I'm asking and that's where I, I need you to be? Or are you doing it because you want people to see your face? Are you doing it for your own glory? Or are you doing it because you're really willing to serve? You know, there's a there's some people, that, and of course it's, it's not in this church. Our, our, our core team is, is very faithful, but there are some where they have different praise and worship teams that transition out and, and you know, they, they do different services. And there are some places, some churches, that if the praise and worship is not, like if they're not on stage that week, they may not be found in church. They serve when they're seen. But they don't have a heart of a servant. That's not leading. See, they've got the, the mindset of leadership all mixed up. Oh, leaders, you know, we can do what we want, and, and we just kind of, you know, make our own decisions because we're a leader, and so, I, you know, I can skip if I, I can do this if I want. I can just go hang out in the lobby. I don't have to listen to the sermon. You know, I'm, I've been a Christian for 15 years. I don't have to change my heart. I don't, I've heard that stuff time and time again. That's pride. And that's not something that you will see in this house because we are, are very adamant about people are not going to, you know, leaders are not going to skip out and, like, hang out. And we don't have a lobby, but, you know, that's, that won't happen when we do have one. Lobbies shut down at service time because we're here to, for the presence of God, for the discipleship, and to hear from the Lord. We're not coming to hang out in a lobby to stroke our own selves. The attitude of a servant. We're not here because of ourselves. And it's funny how, how we can <laughs> sometimes turn serving God into serving ourselves. Isn't that funny? Like as, as humans. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that position. Okay, well, what do you think serving God really looks like? Well, I'm not called to scrub the bathrooms. Okay, the pastor is. Okay, Minister Mara is. Do you think that that's the calling? It has to be done. We do because it's a servant's heart. We have to have the heart of servanthood. And it's, it, everybody's on deck. Everybody helps one another. Everyone is there to serve one another. It's about seeing each other and being willing to serve. I'm here to smile at the person coming in. I'm here to make someone else feel welcome. Not coming in and saying, what do you got for me today? How are you going to make me feel good today? How are you going to bless me today? How can I come and bless someone else? How can I come and lift someone else up today? How can I come and greet someone and make them feel loved? How can I give someone else a ride to church? How can I help the kids and the babies and bless them and pray over them and teach them so a mom can hear the word of God this morning? How can I be a servant it's for the, the good of the team. Let me wrap up with this. How many of you have, have, well, Ray coaches rugby. And I'm sure that there are times when he thinks, you know what, it would be a lot better 
if I could put this person, and even though they normally serve or they normally play in this position, but we've got a gap over here, and they keep making scores, and they keep making, I don't know, what it's touchdowns? What's it? Huh? Tries? That's what a touchdown is called? That's the score? Tries? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't raised around rugby. Tries. They keep making tries? Am I using it right? Okay. So they, they keep trying on us. <laughs> and I need someone to fill the gap, and this person can do that. And I say, hey, so-and-so, I need you to go over here and fill this. That's not where I normally play. I always play this position. This is where I'm comfortable at. This is what, this is what everybody knows me to feel. But the team needs you here because you have the ability. Because I've seen you play it. You have the ability to play that position. And sometimes coaches will switch things around, even though that person is good in that position, but I need you here for what? The betterment of the team, not for you. And so that is what gets the, the, the teamwork mentality. The, we have, as the church have to have the same mindset. What is the best for the team? What is the best for the body of Christ? There are times when, when we lay ourselves down because it's the betterment for someone else. It's better for the body, not for me. That's the heart of a servant. 